Welcome to Stories of Change and Creativity. I'm Judy Oscom, a university professor, Gallup Strengths Coach, and Tiny Habits Coach. This podcast features purpose-driven individuals who inspire, motivate, and educate. On this episode, I interview entrepreneur, author, and fitness enthusiast, Jack Lowe. Over the past 50 years, he created a number of businesses in various industries, from restaurants to finance. Jack holds an MBA from Stanford University, and he's always been an all-around athlete. During 2020, he wrote and published the book, Get Fit for Life, My Journey with Fitness, Health, and Aging. Jack Lowe is on a personal mission to change the idea of aging. He is the driving force behind the Fit for Life Foundation. The foundation supports healthy aging and independent mobility of older people in aging societies worldwide. This organization was started in 2020 and provides grants to innovative projects that promote fitness. It's hard to believe when you meet him, but Jack will be 80 years old in December 2021. He calls himself a lifelong practitioner rather than a certified expert. But in my eyes, he's really a living example of how an active lifestyle, healthy lifestyle, really does work. I interviewed Jack via Zoom from his home near Geneva, Switzerland. We talked about the concept of aging, exercise tips, what foods to avoid, the importance of social connection, and change. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Um, the title of this podcast is Stories of Change and Creativity, and I, I enjoy your approach to change. How, have you always had that sense of adventure and that curiosity? I, I think this sense of adventure probably, but I didn't discover it until I was uh, able to go as the first exchange student from the U.S. to Turkey in 1959. And uh, this was a life-changing event which made me realize that everything I'd never seen already, I wanted to see. Everything I'd never done, I wanted to do. And so this kind of kicked off the kind of lifestyle that, uh, that I've had ever since. Uh, you know, I've worked in eight different countries. I've learned all kinds of languages. I had to adjust to these cultural sort of differences. Um, and I know a lot of people say, well, it wasn't easy. But was it? it was easy because I wanted to do it. When you desire something and you want to do it, you can do it. And that has, uh, you've always been involved with athletics and sports. And that leads us to your new venture, uh, which is your Fit for Life Foundation. How did you get involved with that and why? Well, this this is a sort of an end of career story. Uh, all my life, I've been interested in sports. I've done almost every sport you can imagine, not always well. And as I say in my book, I did every sport, but I was never a champion of anything, you know. Uh, but uh, I liked uh, the way I felt when I was in shape. Uh, I liked learning new sports and seeing if I could get good at them, and I knew nothing about them to start with. Uh, so uh, my life was filled with these sort of things, and and. I found out that you could also travel to a lot of countries on a bicycle and that on a bicycle, you see a lot more and you learn a lot more than driving a car. So 
I set up a bicycle group and we went to 22 different countries on our bicycles. So we, uh, you know, uh, it, it takes a little imagination and a desire, but also uh, not an attitude like, uh, well, it was so difficult and you should know what I overcame. I didn't have to overcome much of anything. I just did what I wanted. I love how in, in the book you talk about this, and this is what really attracted me to, to do an interview with you and track you down, and I appreciate you talking with me. I liked your focus on we need to change our thinking about age. Can you talk about that? Because I no. agree. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, there are uh, several reasons. Number one, when you get older. Uh, you have to get used to the fact that uh, you lose some of your abilities, whether it's in your you know, thinking uh, area, whether it's in your bodily abilities and so on, because of the loss of hormones and the general aging of the body. Uh, a lot of people just accept that as inevitable without looking at what you can do to forestall a lot of this. And, uh, you know, uh, I say to people, uh, we are all living longer because we have better surgery. We have pharmaceutical products that help us. But are we really living better? Um, I'm not so sure. And I'm not so sure that uh, surgery and pharmaceutical products, although we all had them and, and benefited from them, are the way to live a really long life because you may end up with what we call a non-communicable disease. Uh, these are diseases that come from sedentary living. And sedentary living, which I've never known because of sports. Uh, so I can't witness, you know, uh, that that's bad for you. But I see a lot of people around me where it's pretty bad for them. So uh, my idea is that we need to recognize that we have to overcome uh, these tendencies to comorbidities, which have killed so many people in the COVID period we've just gone through, but also just in general, to let people live a longer life, which they'll have anyway, but a better one. Uh, wellness, uh, activity, uh, having friends, being able to lift up your children or your great-grandchildren or your, your, your grandchildren at you know, whatever age you are, doing that all of your life and having those pleasures is a part of being physically fit as well and having pleasure and having a sense of adventure last as long as possible. Well, why, why do you think we have this challenge? And I, I love how you sort of break down in your book the non-communicable diseases. What exactly do you mean by that? And is that a, is that a medical term? Is that, is that terminology? It's, it's, that a new, it's a new terminology because it defines those diseases that come from basically carrying around too much weight, uh, not getting any exercise, and not eating properly. That's those three things. Uh, Hippocrates even talked about them thousands of years ago, that these are the keys to, to a long life and a healthy life. Uh, to, and, and of course, not everybody is ready to make these changes in their lifestyle, especially once one has become extremely overweight or one has, uh, you know, has to have meat uh, three times a day or other habits that have to be broken. But I think we have to make an effort uh, to recognize for ourselves that what we're looking for, we don't have to make a lot of enormous changes to get there or take a lot of pharmaceutical products to get there. We can do it uh, if we undertake uh, uh, a program 
which takes care of those three things. Don't gain any weight, try to lose the excess, eat properly, and don't eat too much. Also have a view of, of how you can use up your time, not sitting in front of the television, but uh, doing other things that are fun to do, including gardening, including uh, 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 chores around the house, including being a fix-it-up chappy in the house and so on. So this is this is what our foundation is really trying to do to get things started, find the right kinds of organizations on the ground, uh, give them help, financial help to expand their activity and get people involved to just take care of this uh, three-part problem, uh, which also includes keeping your friendships. It includes uh, keeping your me mental acuity if you can and so on. So it's, it's a bit of an effort, but it's an effort where I can tell you satisfaction is everywhere as opposed to dissatisfaction. Well, and you've actually experienced this and you've lived it. How have you gone through your life and what are some of your routines that you can share with our listeners that they might pick up on and adopt yeah. possibly? Yes. Okay. Well, I, in my life, you know, I didn't really focus on not getting a non-communicable disease because this didn't exist in, in my youth. I mean, people were pretty slim. People were lots of people were doing sport um, and you didn't have the money uh, to buy uh, you know, meet three times a day. So there was not a, a kind of a, what I would call a sort of a epidemic of, um, of these kinds of diseases, which are the ones that are, are, are the most lethal for older people. Uh, and so, so I kind of by accident, by loving sports and, uh, you know, participating in teams, cycling teams, football teams, things like this, I just uh, was doing what I like to do. However, I could always see if I went to the doctor and got checked up, I'll be 80 years old this year and uh, never had any, anything that I caught. I had a lot of things fixed up or had accidents. <laughs> they were my fault. So I can't blame it on sitting around and watching TV. But fundamentally, um, I think the, the key for me was just recognizing that I always felt good. And I felt satisfied that I hadn't left something behind that I would have liked to have known about or done. This is the mental side of, you know, having control. But to give you an idea of what I do now, I do 45 minutes of exercise every morning, uh, which is mainly stretching a lot of stuff from Pilates and, and from yoga. Uh, then three times a week, I do aerobic training, either on a bicycle or by, with Nordic walking. And I do, I do uh, uh, muscle training three times a week to keep the, the, the hormones that, that allow us to keep our muscles hormones over time. Of course, we'll all lose them over time, little by little, but it, it turns, uh, turns a thing on its head and it's very slow loss of, of muscle uh, mass. Muscle mass, for example, uh, disappearing is one of the problems why, why so many old people fall. And when they fall, they have accidents. Uh, they don't have enough muscles and hand and eye uh, muscle coordination uh, to keep their balance all the time. So there are lots of things you can do. It takes some time. I think if I take all the things that I do during the week, it's probably eight hours or nine hours, but spread through seven days of the week. So it isn't a lot every day if you put an average on the table. Well, and, and I, I appreciated how you explain in your book that 
when you still wake up, you still feel you still feel a little pain, but then you work your way out of it. Can you can you That's address true. that? Because it's not like you're just living in this in this pain free world for some reason. No, no it's it's. Uh, I think uh, a lot of us uh, disregard the importance of a good night's sleep, and and I do have a chapter on that in the book. The reason being that. Um, we're preoccupied by things we haven't finished or preoccupied by something we, we weren't able to do that we wanted to do and so on. Uh, so it's a little bit of an effort to, to go to sleep, go through the deep sleep portion of the night and sleep until the morning. And I think it's a, it's a habit you can get into if you do it always at the same time. Go to bed, for example, at 11 and get up at 7. And the 7-8 hour requirement is is what... Uh, researchers know is what you need to get a rehabilitation of your body from whatever it's had to do the day before. But at our age, you know, we have our aches and pains and, and that's why uh, morning exercises are important. And that's why morning exercises include a lot of um, getting supple, getting flexible, uh, uh, kind of getting the kinks out of the body. And quite frankly, if you do that every morning, you don't have any pain, at least I don't, uh, and depends on what you're working for. But uh, that's the way to to rid that early morning just got out of bed pain uh, question. Well, and and a lot of us for the last 15, 18 months have been doing a lot of remote work. And that means a lot of sedentary sitting. Yeah. What right. do you recommend on that? I know you you talk about that in the book as well. Yeah, I, I believe in the stand-up desk, and in my various enterprises, I encourage people to use a stand-up desk. These these are available. Uh, I don't want to advertise for IKEA, but I, IKEA s- sells desks that are wooden desks, just perfectly fine, not luxury at all. Sure. Uh, with little motors that will move the desk up and down, uh, and there are lots of other suppliers of, of these desks, uh, but that's the easiest place to go to buy them. That and they work. Uh, now, you can't stand up all day long uh, if you're working for eight hours during the day. So you need to occasionally sit down. And usually what I do if I do telephone calls, I sit down. If I'm working on the computer, I stand up. And if I'm in a room, of, uh, uh, sort of a meeting room, conference room, uh, typically I would, I would most of the time if I'm talking, I stand up. Uh, because getting up and down, the whole process of that is really good for your body. And, and to sit in a chair too long obviously isn't good. To stand too long is probably not that bad for you. But uh, just for circulation of blood, it's better to be moving around from time to time. Well, and then uh, what about nutrition then? You had mentioned earlier about uh, red meat. Uh, what what do you recommend? And I know you talk about it in the book as well. What do you what do you what is your nutritional plan for the day? Yeah. Okay, I, I say this not being an expert, but uh, we have tied ourselves up with one of the world's best research firms on nutrition. And basically, I think the way they start the discussion is, is the way I would start it. They tell you what you should not eat <laughs> rather than what you should eat. And it's quite a, a, a short list uh, of things. Uh, and you know, it's the basic things that doctors always tell you, uh, not a lot of fried foods, uh, uh, just enough carbohydrates. Don't do without carbohydrates because you need those. Uh, 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 but, um, um, you know, the right amount. 
the right amount of everything, by the way, um, and and varying your your uh, type of meal over the daytime. For example, most of us in Switzerland we eat which call something called muesli, uh, which is a mixture of oats and and nuts and various other things. Um, uh, some people eat it with yogurt. Some people eat it with milk. Uh, you know, but um, those things are not really really important. Lunches uh, typically should be reasonably light, as dinners uh, should be medium size, if you will. And the Mediterranean diet type approach to dinner is what uh, what we would think is the right way to eat. And of course, the mixture of fruits and vegetables way more than what the normal person eats uh, uh, really helps. Um, but we have a lot of sample menus that uh, you know we give to people; they can make a choice. But mainly, you want to avoid. Uh, sugars, you want to avoid too much salt, and you want to avoid uh, too many sweet products that have to do, you know, with the sweet desserts, as we all liked as children. Um, right. We like them just as much as adults. Right. Great. Good advice. Well, and 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 back to your foundation, what, what plans do you have for the foundation, and what do you want to see happen with that? I know be a catalyst for other organizations around the world, but how? Okay, um, basically we have a three-pronged approach. We see our mission as trying to get people into uh, a healthy lifestyle as early as possible. Uh, focusing really on older people because whatever you acquire as a problem because of the, your lifestyle early in life, you'll carry and it'll be worse in later life. So. Uh, we're opening um, activities or we're helping activities that start with people about 40 to 45. We look for organizations through what we call our award program that do the best job in that field of getting people to start doing exercise, eating properly, lose weight, and uh, have the social interactions that they need to fill this happy lifestyle model that we have. These organizations are all over the world and they're organization on the ground. And that's what I really believe in is not just telling people what to do, but finding them places they can go to get to do it. Uh, so our award program, it looks for three to six of those organizations every year with proposals they give to us for what they, were going, they will do with the money that we give them. Uh, we analyze these organizations. We do due diligence on these organizations. We make sure that they can calculate impact. And we try and pick the best three or six out of this year. We had, believe it or not, 600 proposals. And so we winnowed that down to 50 in the end, all of which are really outstanding. And then you pick the real winners because that's when the emotion gets involved. They fill all the all the criteria. Uh, but then you have to say, who would I like to work with and watch grow? And we give them grants for over three years, mainly to expand their activity, either across borders or within the country that they're operating in. Governments will no longer be able to support all of the people they have to support in old age. So we have to do something to give the workplace a longer period of time with older people who are still working in the workplace and, and contributing something and contributing to their pension funds. Uh, so that's one objective. Another objective is not to have so many costs uh, that uh, that the state has to pay for, like old folks' homes. 
Um, you know, a lot of foundations build them and they equip them and then the state subsidizes them so they can continue operating. And then the other thing that uh, should be a money saver for, for governments is uh, what you can save on not having to treat people with very costly pharmaceutical products in the long term or treating them and just paying the, the medical bills that will grow up as, as they get older. So those are the main objectives, and uh, we need the help of other people to do that. But uh, I, I'm sort of uh, trying to be the spokesman for getting this change as a change maker to get it done uh, and get it done over a reasonable period of time, getting enough people involved so that we can really have an impact. Well, and it sounds like you're using your entrepreneurial skills that you have worked on for your entire uh, career to take such a business and strategic approach to this. Is that correct? Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Whether I'll succeed is another question we'll know in a few years. But no, that's what I'm trying to do because I think these uh, business talents um, really help you organize things, be efficient. And when you go down the wrong road to discover it, change your strategy, try something else. And by trial and error, you'll you'll find a way to make it happen. Well, and personally, I, you know, I'm a I'm a Gallup Strengths Coach, so I'm always trying to help people live in their strengths and lean into their strengths. Mm. What would you consider one of your top strengths? Perseverance, perseverance, yeah. uh, never give up. Um, I, I think it would be almost impossible to make me give up, although I did, did have two companies that didn't work and I gave them up. But uh, I had to be taken, you know, to the last minute <laughs> to make that decision. No, I think that's the key. And, and you really have to believe in what you're doing to have this never give up idea uh, and believe you will succeed. And this is, of course, transmissible to third parties when you talk to them about well, would you like to do a partnership with us in this area? Then they have to know you really believe in what you're doing and that if you promise them something, you will fulfill the promise. Well, but this mission that you are are now involved with and starting is really transformational for anyone who gets involved, correct? Well, I, I hope it's going to be that. Of course, lots of people are already sick and you know, you can improve this situation to some degree, but not eradicate it. But if you, if someone at age 40, 45, 50 gets into a program like this, and it has to be a personal program where you have the uh, discipline and, and to do these things every day at the same hour, just like sleeping at the same hours during the night, if you have the discipline to do that, uh, I really believe it can be transformational for those people when they get older. But even older people, when I do cycling, uh, I have a group, a cycling group, and there's a 94-year-old man in my cycling group, and you should see him go uphill. You know, So it does prove that it's not impossible uh, to, to stay in shape and to profit from it. And uh, he, when he rides in a group, that's his, those are his best friends, uh, including the younger ones. And, and that's the one time I feel young again when I'm with a 94-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the social aspect, too, you've talked about that, too. The social aspect is yeah. really important, right? Why, why oh, is yeah. that? Well, I think it's because uh, a lot of people are worried about going into some kind of program because maybe they won't look as good 
at doing exercises and so on as the other person. Or maybe they feel that uh, they will have to do things alone as well at home. They can't do four courses or seven courses a week. Uh, that's expensive and so on. So uh, would they have the discipline to do that? The more people they know who are doing the same things or more or less the same things, the more they're likely to say, well, why don't we get together at such and such a place uh, where we're members of a gym and, and we'll work out together. Maybe we can put three or four people together. And then afterwards, they go and have coffee and then they get to know each other. And then friendships bloom from this because of, an, of, a, of a shared interest. So I think it's, it's a very strong motivator. Uh, and of course, some people are just naturally friendly. And if that's the case, once they get into a group like that, they recruit other people uh, to join up. Uh, you can see it in the clubs where people play tennis. You can see it in places where people play golf. Uh, uh, in the end, uh, the same group, once they're used to it and the habit is formed, they play together. So forming the habit and there's that account accountability as well. Correct. Correct. But of course, uh, we, we're all prejudiced in the judgment of our, ourselves and our performance. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I've had a lot of people say to me, well, you know, I've been doing this routine for the last month. It's really funny. My back doesn't hurt anymore. You know, I said, well, there's a reason. And he, right. I didn't feel it right away, but this morning I realized my back doesn't hurt anymore. So they can, they, they are able to make a measurement of some kind of, of where they're going, you know, and where they've come from, which is the important part. Exactly. Well, and can can you give any sort of a, a push for someone who might be on the edge thinking of they really would like to do more and be healthier? Can can you give them any any push or strategy that would maybe push them off the ledge and get them into a healthier lifestyle? Well, I think I think one of the things they can do is go to a very professionally run gym and uh, say, I'd like to have a coach for the first three sessions or four sessions. And most of these coaches are well-trained, either by the <coughs> company that has the gym or by, by uh, you know, they have professional schools. At least we have them in Switzerland to train mm -hmm. uh, uh, coaches uh, for gym and gymnastics and so on. So I think that's one way. <coughs> Another way is to look around for programs, you can find them on the net, which deal with these problems of, of elder persons' uh, ongoing health. And, and you will find groups and associations. We have one in Switzerland called Pro Synectut, which is all over Switzerland in every city of over 20 or 25,000 people. And uh, they have gym classes, they have dancing classes, they have uh, card tables, so you can play cards with your friends, you have a coffee bar, you can have a coffee. Um, so those those places exist and have a lot of participation. Switzerland has one of the highest participations of older people and things like this. So that's another way. And, and uh, I think the third way is to say to oneself, okay, uh, I'll find uh, some kind of a gym course on the net. Uh, I'll sign up for it. Uh, it's, it's done just like video conferences. Uh, yeah. And some of them are very professional. They're usually professional companies. They charge money, but there are some uh, not-for-profit companies that uh, or, or even foundations that, that charge a little bit of money for your hooking up and so on. But uh, it's, it's not a fortune. And since they're not-for-profit, they're not trying to make a profit on you. So those as well. 
uh, I think are, are useful. And I've done a few of those just to see uh, how they work. And some of them are very professional. And mm -hmm. obviously people, you know, they can't be seen themselves, whether they're really doing what they're told to do. Right, right. If they are really doing it, uh, they'll see the difference. But just get started. Just make a start. But getting started right. is, <clears throat> and getting started uh, in a group is the best way, because then you will disappoint them if you drop out. And Back you to know that, that social connection. That, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I love that. Well, look, look ahead five years, Jack, and see what 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 do you hope for the foundation in five years? What do you hope has has happened to the idea of aging? Uh, I, I think we have to change uh, the nature of the way people feel about taking retirement. Uh, if you feel like working until you drop, you should be able to do that and not have to retire and not feel like you have to retire. Number one. Number two, I think that we have to change the way people look at themselves as capable or not capable of doing what people historically have not done after age 65. Uh, you, you don't do anything. You have a pension and you, you, know, you, you, you see your friends occasionally for a coffee or something, but you don't do anything that's really active. And of course, part of this comes from many people living in apartments as opposed to houses where they had gardens and had to take care of mowing the lawn and so on. So I think that that, that, that can change, even for people in apartments, if in fact uh, this sporting side and the diet side can be followed, which they can. But I think that the, the major thing we have to do is, is tell people that as older people, you are still very valid and you can do a lot of things. And Everybody should read. Uh, I'm going to make a pitch for a book. There's a doctor at the University of California Hospital named Louise Aronson, Dr. Louise Aronson, who has written the only bestseller ever written in the medical nonfiction category. It's called Elderhood. It's a must reading because there she talks about these very things. And she talks about them from examples she gives, a bit like I give examples from my book, about real human beings and what they were able to do in spite of thinking perhaps at the start they couldn't do it. Uh, and uh, it's a very inspiring book. And uh, as I say to people, we're inevitably going to live longer. And that is, is a call to action for us because why live longer if not better? I love it. And on that note, Jack Lowe, thank you for joining me today. I so appreciate your insight. And again, the book, Get Fit for Life, My Journey with Fitness, Health and Aging and the Foundation, Fit for Life Foundation. Check it out online. Thank you for joining me, Jack. Thank you, Judy. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Check out our show notes for more information about this episode. You can find this podcast on any of your favorite streaming platforms. And remember, if you have a story to tell or know someone who does, reach out to me at judyoscom.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>